Paperman meets such interesting people. Coming up in the Media Project, Alan Shartuck, Rosemary Armeo, Ira Fessfeld, and me, Rex Smith, with commentary on what's been going on in the media in recent days. We're going to talk about that climate legislation announcement. Are the media giving Republicans a pass all along? We'll talk about the media aspects of the Live Golf Tour. The language police are on duty in the Media Project. Join us. It's all coming up next. They wallow in corruption. Papermen meet such interesting people. They know the lowdown, now it can be told. I'll tell you quite reliably off the record about some charming people I have known. For I meet politicians and grafters by the score. Killers plain and fancy, it's really quite a bore. Oh, newspapermen meet such interesting people. They wallow in corruption, crime and gore. Ting-a-ling-a-ling, city desk. Pull the press, pull the press. Extra, extra, read all about it. It's a mess meets the test. Oh, newspaper men meet such interesting people. It's wonderful to represent the press. Oh, it's going to be a great show. This is the Media Project. I'm Rex Smith. Before the tape started rolling, it was already getting out of hand, I'm telling you. So we will see what we can do. Alan Shartok, Rosemary Armeo, and Ira Fussfeld, we are here. We are the Media Project, veteran journalists all, and we're going to talk to you about what's going on in the media these days. Who are you? I'm... <laughs> well, I'm, I'm the author of something called Upstate American, which is my little weekly essay in the former Red to the Times Union. Rosemary Armeo is a veteran investigative journalist, editor, professor. Ira Fussfeld, the longtime publisher in his uh, salad days of the Kingston Daily Freeman and affiliated publications. And Dr. Alan Shartok, the CEO of Northeast Public Radio, commentator, columnist, and political scientist. What? They still don't know who you are. Yes, you have not identified yourself. I did, actually. I said that that was the first thing out of my mouth. I'm Rex. Oh, okay. I heard heard it, Rex. See, thank you, Rosemary. Some people pay attention. This is a veteran reporter who knows how to hear things. I was thinking I ought to get a salad because I could use (laughs) to change my diet. That's neither here nor there. That is an odd expression, salad days. Yeah, I don't know where that comes from. Yeah. salad I mean, days. why isn't it like ice cream days? We have heard, by the way, from Bill Cunningham, the longtime political insider and uh, spokesman for a number of people, Daniel Patrick Boynihan and uh, Mike 
Bloomberg, among others, who says, tell Alan and Rex, this is to an email, I was at both the Moynihan events they just mentioned that was on the air. They are pretty accurate. Pretty accurate. Thanks, Bill. Bill Cunningham, stand up. (laughs) Anyway, this is about Moynihan asserting that government in small cities can be very good because it was such an inept government that it couldn't draw down federal funds to be corrupt. Okay, here's a question. Some talk in media circles has to do with whether there might be some seismic shift going on because Fox News has been accused of being the progenitor of uh, the Trump phenomenon because there's such great support for Trump on Fox News that it had an impact on the electorate, let's say. And now Fox News is not carrying Trump's speeches. And the Wall Street Journal and the New York Post outlets of the same Rupert Murdoch have editorialized against Donald Trump. What's going on here? I have a theory. What's that? Well, there's no question that there's been a shift here. And why is the shift? Because Murdoch doesn't think Trump can win. And Murdoch, being, you know, an unapologetic Republican, is loath to support somebody who will lose to another Democrat. Well, but it says a number of things. I'm not sure. Obviously, we can't read Murdoch's mind, but he has not apparently passed down any memos to his primetime lineup, and they have been the most effective and effusive supporters of Trump. So could Murdoch be trying to have his cake and eat it by having the print products say we're not going to support Trump anymore, he's not worthy? Can he also have his cake and eat it by instructing the broadcast outlet not to show his speeches live, but at the same time he's turning a deaf ear to the primetime lineup which is the most influential part of his empire right now. I see it as sinister. I think that Murdoch is not just a media master, he's a political master. He long ago told Trump to give up this election lie business. It wasn't good for politics. Trump has not obeyed him, and now he's flexing his muscle. If you don't want to listen to me, here's what's going to happen. You know, it is noteworthy, though, I think, to the point that these respectable outlets like the Wall Street Journal— The Wall Street Journal editorial page, which has always been reactionary, you know, though, has given a lot of people who wouldn't otherwise support Donald Trump sort of license to go ahead and back him, right? And if they, if even the Wall Street Journal editorial page is saying, character is revealed in a crisis, Mr. Pence passed his on January 6th trial, Mr. Trump utterly failed him. If even the Journal editorial page is against Trump and the New York Post, while those are not themselves influential, they do affect the thinking of, I think, some of the right-wing establishment figures. Right-wing establishment? Yeah. So this could be really a significant development. I really think But I'm, I'm guessing that the average far-right Trump supporter does not get the oh, Wall yeah. Street Journal. Oh, yeah. Now, the New York Post, at least in this part of the world, they could. And obviously, you can get it online, but it has far less impact than Fox News and Carlson and Hannity and England. Right. Yeah, right. absolutely. But it's just interesting that when Donald Trump went back to Washington for the first time since leaving office, Fox News did not cover him, but just a mile down the street for 17 minutes, it carried Mike Pence live. Carrying Mike mm, Pence live. Imagine that. Well, that seems like a contradiction in terms. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's another interesting development going on in the world of right wing broadcast, and that is of the two quote unquote competitors to Fox News. You have, what is it, Newsmax and OAN. OAN is very close to going out of business mm-hmm. because they've already lost their carriage rights on DirecTV and they're going to lose them within days on Verizon Fios. So there are not a lot of places where 
where you can find OAN, and more importantly to OAN, it's cut a significant amount of their revenue. So the odds are that they are going to disappear soon, leaving just Newsmax and Fox News as the primary competitors for right-wing eyeballs. And it will be interesting to see, and, and Newsmax is still showing Trump live. So we have to see now whether there's going to be a departure from Fox News and Newsmax will become a bigger player. Hmm. One of the interesting things is that there is so much coverage of Donald Trump suddenly again. Partly. When did it ever ebb? I, I read <laughs> well, that story like said, and said, yeah. so much coverage compared to when? He has been saturating the news cycle since 2015. Yeah, but I would say that for the first couple of years of the Biden administration, he was at least closeted in, in well, he wasn't closeted. No, he wasn't. And, <laughs> and the first couple of years, there have only been it two years. It has been now, yeah. It does so, seem like a long time. And through the entire thing, we've had the election lie. His wife dies. We've had all the controversies involving his children. He has never, ever been out of the news. Yeah. The investigation in New York, investigations, plural. I can remember writing a column just before he announced in 2016, and I was going to say, let's just stop covering Donald Trump. We give him oxygen. Why do we bother with it? And for some reason or another, it didn't come out. I, I didn't finish writing well, it. Well, and then he announced as president. It was like, oh, that's never going to happen. He will always be in the news. Yeah. Well, what do you think the reason for his attraction is, Rosemary? Because he's newsworthy, he's clickbait, he's more interesting than any other person on earth, except possibly Vladimir Putin. And why is that? In other words, what is it that makes people click him? But as Rosemary says, it's newsworthy. What he says motivates people. What is it that makes people, I don't know. Well, communication theorists these days talk about what gets people's attention. What do they like? That's what gets people motivated, not positions on issues. Charisma, boldness, humor. He is a total actor. He was an actor before. In fact, some would say he did that better than politics. He's got everything. He is a complete media figure. By the way, there was one word you used there, Roseberry, that I didn't quite catch. Did you say ballsness? Boldness. Oh, boldness. Okay, sorry about that. And actually, though, the boldness thing goes into it, too. It's just how weird he is. Even his hair is news. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think about people who are retweeting the comments that he makes on his own social media platform? And it shows up on Twitter, which had banned him because Twitter felt that his comments were inappropriate, to say the least. And yet we have people who are waiting for him to make his comments and then just parrot them. Yes, but they don't have as much of a following as he does. So it doesn't have the impact when it's retweeted by them instead of it appearing only in his little true so social let's, platform. So let me just play devil's advocate. He, when we talk about how much oxygen the media, the mainstream media, is still giving him. When there is a session like the last one on the commission and all of these allegations and the potential of his indictment, etc., this whole both sidesisms, isn't it part of our responsibility to get his side, no matter how crazy that side may sound? Yep. When I listen to the January 6th commission hearings, the first thing I want to know is what's, what's Trump saying about yep. this? Yeah. Definitely. You want to know that. Yeah, yeah I do. I look for it. But but when what he says is a lie, is a verifiable we a lie. lie. We say it's a lie. That yeah. That's part of the story, don't you think? Well, I guess so, except that you can't give Trump equal space, equal time. You know, the hearings go on for hours, and you can't, you're not going to give Trump hours to say what he wants that denounces those facts. But he doesn't need hours, Rex. <laughs> he says, Donald Trump says, and he's got the attention. He yeah. does not need the same clout that Nancy Pelosi 
Pelosi does or name, any, name anybody on the committee. Well, and meanwhile, there are reports as we speak that he intends to sue CNN for characterizing his comments as lies. Bring it on. Yeah, well, that's what done, I say. He's Bring tried it that on. before, yeah. so it's Devin times. Nunes. And- Won't work, you know, because once it comes to discovery, truth is an absolute defense in any libel suit. And uh, So far. Yeah. We've, well, with yeah, the so new far. Supreme Court, I don't yeah. know. But. Who knows? Yeah, maybe he's counting on it going to the Supreme Court and getting a Sullivan standard overturned. Hmm. Mm, scary. Yeah. You know, one of the interesting elements that we're unable to sometimes get a whole side of a comment because a lot of Republican politicians simply do not speak to the media anymore. Uh, we have that as an example in upstate New York in Representative Elise Stefanik, the number three Republican in the House, who simply doesn't speak to the media. That seems to be a good tactic. It seems to be that if you just stop talking to journalists, what has happened is they can get by without us. They really don't need the mainstream media anymore. So I don't know what the solution to that is. Yeah, the solution has to come from our consumers, the news consumers, not from the news media. This is a tactic very common in Eastern Europe. When I first started working over there, it was amazing that politicians would say, who are you? Why should I talk to you? And I always made the contrast to the United States where talking with the press was considered part of the job if you were a politician. You had to talk to the people that meant talking to the press. Now they have discovered that, oh wow, the Eastern European dictatorship style actually works. But of course, it is a very red district. Her district up there in the North Country and she doesn't feel any great regard for what she may, I say may, but I believe does, consider to be liberal or left-wing media. So she says, why should I participate with them? Well, I mean, it isn't just Elise Stefanik. That was an example. Oh, Barack Obama stopped talking to mainstream media. He had some news conferences but didn't sit down for the old traditional one-on-one. It isn't just Stefanik. It's, it's everywhere. They don't talk to media unless they groom them, and it's for a particular purpose. You know, this is all an outflow of the very changed nature of communication in the 21st century. It really is the democratizing factor that has contributed to the change in the media environment caused by digital platforms actually gives politicians a way to reach voters directly, the voters they want to motivate, without the mediation, let's say, without the truth-telling factor of the mass media. So I don't know that this is ever going to come back. It's one of the reasons why people don't have much regard for the media. They don't need it as much. But do you really think that people subscribe to the concept of truth-telling by the media? No, they don't. I'm not so sure about that. No, No, you're right. People don't anymore. But the difference in the last generation is, as Rex said, the social media platforms, which give these politicians an outlet. And so they're still able to reach their constituents, particularly their hardcore constituents. And as we've seen, not starting with, but certainly when Trump started using the phrase fake news, which became ingrained in the vernacular now, people who are on the right particularly, although some on the left, on the far left, are not inclined to believe what we what is being said unless it meets their point of view. I hate to inject sports, but last night, as we're sitting here, last night, the manager of the New York Yankees actually used the phrase fake news. <laughs> I almost fell off my chair hearing what this is. This is where it's gone into the sports world. He was commenting on some reporter's analysis of what his team's strength is. He's no, that's fake news. <laughs> this is just it's going to be in the dictionary. Yeah. 
you know, sports often leads the way in the relationship of people to different platforms. The teams manage their own websites. The teams hire journalism students to run their own, even their own play-by-play, all of their own information. It used to be, of course, that sports writers and athletes would be together. They would see each other. They would talk to each other. And now the elite athletes also can simply avoid them. Well, it's also they don't need them anymore. They're they're making so much money. You used to be... Athletes wanted reporters to notice them and write stories about them because it would potentially generate endorsements for them. Now they're all making millions. The average salary is a million. So why deal with this reporter? So Ira, you're a former sports writer. Why does it matter, this new Live Golf uh, Tour being financed by Saudi Arabia? Does this matter? I mean, Yeah, it matters on a number of different levels. I mean, I don't want to try not to get too much in the weeds, but... The notion that there is a competitor live tour to the PGA, the historic tour, is not new in the sports world. And you look back to the American Basketball Association, the World Hockey League, and the American Football League, which challenged the established leagues and signed some of the big athletes. And ultimately, they all merged, and now they're all making a lot of money. What's new is the Saudi Arabian component, and the question is, as is widely believed, these people who are going to the new league are taking Saudi money, which is blood money. What makes that more complex is that they turn around and they see that their president was just in Saudi Arabia fist-bumping MBS, and so if the American government still feels it needs to do business with the Saudi Arabians, then why shouldn't the golfers do business? And that's sort of where they are right now. And as we speak, this week's tournament for the new tour is where? At the Trump National Course in New Jersey. But, you know, Alan often talks about sports news as being just a distraction. The What was the phrase from Marx, Alan? The opiate of the proletariat. Aha. But this has resonance. There's a good reason for this news. It's just interesting that sports news itself is no longer about who wins and loses games. Sports yeah. and politics is an extraction. Yeah, not, not for a long time. Yeah. And money. And money, yeah. And the National Press Club has denounced this, by the way, saying an AP reporter who asked about the murder of Khashoggi, the Washington Post columnist who was hacked apart with a bone saw by agents of the Saudi government. The reporter who asked about it from the Associated Press was escorted from the room right away. So, the, Did you hear Trump's response to that, by the way? Trump, who's going to be playing, he's hosting and yeah. playing the tournament. And he said, well, you know, if that's died down, I hardly ever get right. asked about it anymore. Right. Nobody talks about <laughs> oh it anymore. God. So that, that's the end of principle. And talk about making enough money. The PGA doesn't give them enough money. They have to take blood money. But from a All media right. standpoint, at least so far... The new tour is not receiving anywhere near the coverage as has been the established PGA tour. So the press has made a determination, at least for now, to pretty much ignore it. The first well, big Tiger right? Woods signs up with them, and that's all out the window. Is that right? That yeah. They're reporting on the controversy, but they're not reporting on the tournaments. I mean, what the new league would love would be for these to just to be part of the calendar, and there'll be a reporter out there reporting on the golf. They don't want these questions about Khashoggi, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Amazing. If you're interested in commenting, media at WAMC.org is how we get our email, and we're happy to hear from you. By the way, there's been a lot of coverage of Joe Manchin and his recent turnaround, which enables the Democrats to supposedly pass a climate and infrastructure bill that is going to be what President Biden calls the most significant climate legislation in history, 360-some billion dollars. It is interesting, isn't it, that we focus so much on Joe Manchin 
and not on the unified wall of Republican Absolutely. opposition to this. Absolutely. Thing. I think it's a failing of the media that it has not reported that it's been too much Manson and Cinema and not enough. What about at least three or four Republicans? Why aren't they joining yeah. up? But how do you avoid that when it is inescapable that it is the vote of one guy, Joe Manchin, that is going to make the difference in this succeeding or failing? You Absolutely know, it, right. it personalizes it and people understand that, but it does. Well, it's skew one the identifiable vote. If Susan Collins or any of the so-called moderates, Lisa Murkowski, were to suddenly say, no, this is a good bill, it will help my people, it will help all Americans, I'm going for it, that would be the one vote that made the difference. But they're just a wall. You said it right. It's a wall of resistance that we have come to see as, eh, normal. That's the Republicans. They're not doing anything. And um, as a reporter, what do you do about that? You know, they, they tried. The AP tried. They went to each one individually and asked about it. It wasn't climate, but it was the gay rights. It was a bill that would have made gay marriage a right under federal law and asked all 50 of the uh, Republican senators. And the overwhelming majority, I think it was 27 or 28, gave no response. It's, they went back to the, what's the benefit to me of talking to the press and say, no, I don't like this. That is going to make me look bad and it isn't going to change anything. I have to think so about this. It's a hard. Yeah, it's what they say. Yeah. The strategy for the press is very limited, I think. We can keep pointing it out that Manchin's vote is so important because of the Republican wall of resistance, but that doesn't have the same impact as Manchin's making a ton of money from coal, so is his whole family, and oh, by the way, he's thwarting everything Biden wants to do. So it's but hard. in the old days, when, when things were quote-unquote normal, a bill like that would probably pass with not all the Democrats in favor and not and all the, the Republicans, Republicans against. And so the spotlight on the one senator was not necessary because it was more than one senator. It was in the, the whole concept of this is it seems to have zeroed down to Manchin because we know definitively that if he voted the other way, it would pass. Correct. But right. again, I just don't think there's enough emphasis to inform or remind readers that there is no support at all on the Republicans. So why should this one Democrat, as loathsome as he may be, be the one who gives the villain in the piece. All right, that's where the conversation started. Yeah. And the question is, how would you put that increased emphasis on it? What would you do? Well, I, I think at the very least it needs to be repeated that when Manchin's vote prevents the bill from passing, but remember, the Republicans are not in favor of it also. It has to be a paragraph somewhere within the first six or seven paragraphs. It's hard in any case. The political coverage has just been upended by the change in the emphasis of the public officials and the fact that it is hard for reporters to do a good job of covering consistent, united opposition to something when nothing changes. Because journalism mm -hmm. often is about change. It's about mm -hmm. things that are different. And when nothing changes, when there is just always this block, this wall. Walls are not very interesting to cover. It's really that's, hard to that's cover That's a really good point. Uh, Except if it's Trump's wall on the, on the border. <laughs> Different wall. Hey, let's talk about language a little bit because language is what we do. There is a phrase that was the subject of an article in Columbia Journalism Review, the phrase unskilled worker, which a journalist was taking offense to, that unskilled is part of a media industry mindset that limits who reporters interview and to what end. And even just using the term unskilled worker minimizes or diminishes the impact. Okay. What alternative would you use? Well, I want to make the point, I hate to set up a straw, but <laughs> I am concerned about the language police. I think that we need to describe things as they really are. You know, we don't use the word poor people anymore. We use phrases like families without resources. 
what? You know, sometimes that it gets so convoluted. But when you say poor people, then we're told that is demeaning. But it is accurate. And to the extent that we make words loathsome, that we, we say to journalists, you can't use this phrase that is accurate, I think that's problematic. So using this unskilled worker, is there a movement against this? And where, where is the complaint coming from? It was just an article that one reporter is trying to call attention to it. And I also have raged for years against word police. Like my word, developmentally disabled. Yeah. What is that? Yeah. It applies now to a range of conditions and it means nothing. Or you can't say housing projects, that that somehow well, diminishes people. You have to say, use the words they use, like gardens. It's a euphemism. In this case, however, maybe it isn't. Maybe it isn't a euphemism. You could say laborer. You could say exactly what the job was, uh, an assembly line worker. There's ways that you could get around that without the without using the insult. Unskilled worker is an insult. Is it? And this illegal alien, you don't think that's an insult? Well, yeah, yeah illegal, I do. undocumented. You know, I remember, you know, 30 years ago when we changed it to that. But Third world, a third world country. Yeah. That, yeah. Th- there are words are pejorative. They're not just descriptive but and accurate. Unskilled, yeah. unskilled is a, describes the person either has skills or they don't have skills for and a particular some, Oh, come on. And some words you don't want to use, like retarded. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know it's to replace it. Blind is somehow blind and deaf. You can't. You have to say hearing or visually impaired. What can they see if they're impaired? No, what can, deaf is not I acceptable, but you have to capitalize it. Yeah. I don't right? quite understand I don't get that, that either. Uh, death. We don't say people died. I was reading the obits out loud oh, to my mother today. You have to say they that. They passed into the oh, eternal no. life. Well, that's they, because the, the obit is written by the funeral home. It's yeah, not written by yeah. the... Okay, no, no, but really. it's, 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 There's that language as part of it. I read this is all baloney. It's all has to do with the words that we use. You can't use. say baloney. And so baloney. You're really attacking him. I, <laughs> I can say malarkey. Um, Joe Biden. So unskilled worker made me think. I do think that's insulting. You know, was uh, my father a butcher? Was that an unskilled worker? No, labor? no, that's a that's skilled a skill worker. Oh, can, yeah, that's a skill. Right, so what is an unskilled worker? Uh, no, Someone uh, who works at the Tokyo illegal alien. Plant? No, sorry. <laughs> send somebody out to, to do the plumbing and they don't know a wrench from a yeah. screw. An unskilled worker is someone who doesn't have, like, a butcher skill is a significant skill. That's not an So what's worker. someone who doesn't? If you work on an assembly ditch line? Digger. A, a ditch, ditch digger. Say, say a ditch digger. You yeah. could say that. But, you know, it's a broader topic than that. I mean, when you're trying to get a, a generic term that would apply to all that, I think unskilled worker is pretty accurate. And why we can't say poor, now the term I guess you're supposed to use is financially stressed. That, well, I guess, is... I'm then poor. <laughs> that's yeah. not right. Well, that's you know, inaccurate. Right. You're that's right. inaccurate. Well, you guys, as former editors, know that one of the first things we try to get our reporters to do is write concisely. And you're taking a phrase like unskilled re- workers and, and turning it into something that takes four words to describe instead of two. Why? So it doesn't why, sound why would like, it take four words? Well, depending on what your new phrase is going to be. The question that really is behind this is the, the class problem in journalism. Most mm-hmm. journalists these days are upper middle class. Yes. Journalists used to come from working class families. Right. And that has changed the tone, I think, of a lot of what we see in journalism, right? So who do yes. you take into journalism schools is an interesting question because that feeds right into your comment. Right. What do you think about that, Alan? What do I think about it? I'm not paid to think. Oh. I, I think I think there's a lot to it. I think that's one reason we missed the whole Trump phenomenon was that we were not talking to unskilled workers. 
<laughs> well, low-skilled, unskilled. Um, See, takes up no more words. Well, I guess, but take, it just seems accurate to me. Everybody, yes, Ira, that's right. But everybody will take insult wherever they can, and so you can be sure whatever word you use, you're going to hear about it. All right. Finally today. Uh, <laughs> that settles it. Yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> I usually do. Well, you're right. You know, I mean, actually, there's a plenty of opportunity for us to be offended by things that we hear and see. Finally, there is something called the nonprofit news sector. You know, Alan, you write now for, well, GWAMC is a nonprofit. And I write for a lot of newspapers, none of which pay me anything. Right. That's, That's different. Those are becoming nonprofit. But there are nonprofits like uh, your outlet in the Berkshires, the Berkshire Edge. Uh, and a lot of these, and I'm on the board of the Adirondack Explorer, Actually, which is a wonderful I want to magazine. correct that, Rex. The Berkshire Edge is owned. Oh, it's a for-profit. Yeah. I'm sorry. It is, is owned by some people like Dick Scribner and others. I see. Most My mistake. Definitely. I misunderstood. Yeah. In any case, it's worth noting to people that in this rising nonprofit sector, the difficulty we're seeing is the local outlets, which is where newspapers have died, where the coverage is needed, those are not getting the funding that the big nonprofits are. Just something for us to take up next time because, sadly, we're out of time this week. Oh. And there will be a next time. There will be, yes. Ira Fussfeld, Rosemary Mayo, and Alan Shartok. I'm Rex Smith with thanks to our producer, David Gustina, for shaping this. And thanks to you for joining us once again this week on The Media Project. Ah, but publishers have worries, for publishers must go To working folks for readers and to big shots for their dough Now publishers are such interesting people it could be prostitution, I don't know. Ting-a-ling-a-ling, circulation, ting-a-ling-a-ling, advertising, get those readers, get that payoff. What a headache, what a mess. Oh, publishers are such interesting people. Let's give free cheers for freedom of the press. <laughs> <laughs>